welcome to Sellersburg United Methodist Church podcast, where we bring our mission to make disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world to you, wherever you are. Lent, we are moving on in the season of Lent. We are learning to live inside out. And this Lenten journey with Jesus, it is leading us to the cross, to the death of self and sin. And so we started this journey out fasting alongside of Jesus in the wilderness, but the fast that we choose is that of God to nurture righteousness in our hearts. This word righteousness, it's the word for justice. It's the word for piety. It's the same word, this Greek word, what is right, the act of doing what is in agreement with God's standards, the state of being in proper relationship with God. That's this word. That's what we're after. And so we live in this world full of injustice and unrighteousness and impiety, and we participate in it more than we realize. We can't help but to participate in this broken world because we're born into it. All we've ever known is a world of injustice and brokenness. It's all most people ever know. Now we, we know of another way, a better way, the kingdom right? The life of being a disciple of Jesus Christ, this eternal life with God that starts here and now. And so we fast to align more with this better way. I mean, that's what we're after. We are walking the path of a better way by the leading of the Holy Spirit. Now we fall down a lot on this better way, but we follow the one who does not fall down. We're constantly seeking the opportunity to move from the familiar and comfortable in pursuit of the life God is calling us to in our world. And usually that's the unfamiliar and the uncomfortable. That's what we're after, right? I mean, that's the hope, at least on our good days. But we come to our passages today confronting stories of thirst versus quenching of thirst or God's provision versus our need. So Exodus 17, we find the Israelites freshly freed from the restrictive life of oppression and restriction in Egypt. Now they're, they're traversing the wilderness, this massive body of people moving together through this dry place, and they've run out of water again, and God has put on trial. Now, just a couple chapters prior, they were thirsty, right? There was water, but it was bitter. And they couldn't drink it, so they complained against Moses. You know, Moses, the guy that just led them out of Egypt through the Red Sea. And they're complaining against him. Now, we may judge them for such a quick assault against their gratitude and allegiance, but remember, water is important. We can live a week and a half without food, but we can't live three days without water. So all these people, they're wandering in the wilderness, a huge body of people with no water, Their parents, grandparents, spouses, siblings, they're thirsty, they're vulnerable, they're scared. And they're thinking, does Moses even have a plan? Right, we've been led out here and we're going to die out here. What gives? So God instructed Moses to put wood in the water and it made it potable. But here we are two chapters later, back in the same predicament of thirst. And this time they amp up their assault on Moses as a leader. They bring charges against him 
as their leader. They're ready to turn their backs. And Moses gets mad. He gets really frustrated. He says, you're charging me? That's the same as charging God. How dare you? Right? Moses is really worked up. And then he seeks God's help. Like, what am I going to do here? These people are, are crazy. <laughs> and God displays an act of great humility by saying, Moses, go stand on that rock and then I'm going to stand before you. Now that line, that idea of standing before, usually it's the people that stand before God. They honor God as in control and all-powerful and the authority. But in this case, God says, I'll stand before you, Moses. And that's such an act of compassion and mercy. Moses did not respond well when the people complained, but God responds with grace when Moses brings it to him. And the people receive water through the rock, and their thirst is quenched. I mean, at least for now, right? Three days later, they're probably going to be thirsty again. Forty years, they are in the wilderness, and it is more providing for their spiritual needs than it is their physical needs on this journey. I mean, they're, they're learning to trust God, to provide what they need, to place their faith in God alone. And if they could just deepen their thirst for something more than water, they'd find out that they are going to be quenched if they can no longer depend on their own understanding of how things work, if they can unlearn the ways of chaos in Egypt, if they can come to know in their hearts that God provides what they truly need, then they'll be quenched in a much deeper way. And that brings us to Jesus at the well with the Samaritan woman. Jesus is tired and thirsty. And you might not always think of Jesus that way, because sometimes we just like to focus on his divinity. But he was human, and he's tired, and it's hard walking around. And so he sits down next to the well. The woman from Samaria comes, and he breaks all the rules. He talks to her, asks for water, and she kind of enters into this playful banter with him that mocks the social order of the day. Jesus talks about water and thirst, but not about actual water. He's talking at a deeper level. And at first, she's confused. She's caught up in the literal. But she quickly starts to pick up on what he's talking about. This nameless woman engages Jesus in a really meaningful way. She then asks him for a drink from this living water he says he has that means she'll never thirst again. He, she doesn't understand it, but she asks for it. Give me water. She leans into the moment. Give me this water so I don't have to keep coming back to this well. And then Jesus reveals to her himself in this way she can understand as a prophet. Talks about things in her life that he couldn't possibly know unless he were a prophet. So she immediately switches gears and she stops seeking water, literal water, and she starts focusing on how to properly be in relationship with God. She focuses on righteousness, on justice, right? On piety. How do I worship God? Do I do, I do it here on this mountain, or do I listen to you Jews and I go to Jerusalem? Like, wh how, do, how does it work? Tell me. You know things, so tell me. Jesus then kind of shatters the question altogether and says, God is spirit, okay? And the hour is coming when you're going to worship God in spirit, and to worship is to be in truth, live in truth, live rightly, justly, piously. That's how you'll worship, living inside out, letting the spirit lead your heart will naturally lead you into a righteous and just living. Letting the Spirit lead you will bring you into an entire life of piety and of service to God. And she gets it. 
She gets it. She knows Messiah will come make it all clear. She says that. And then Jesus says, Hey, you know, it's me. I'm Messiah. And then she does something bizarre. She walks away, right? Well, she doesn't walk away. She leaves. She leaves her jar and goes to the city to tell all the people. She left her jar. That's not just a throwaway line. She was depending upon that to provide quenching to her thirst. And in realizing who Jesus is and what he's offering, she no longer needs that jar. She leaves it and she goes. So the real thirst is being quenched and she's, she's understanding that. She's understanding that it's Jesus, what he's offering in the spirit and truth. And by embracing what he's revealing, embracing the truth about God and spirit, embracing the truth about worshiping in spirit and in truth, living inside out, she understands and she starts to experience this quench. Now, she leaves and the disciples show up and they struggle and drop the ball in all the ways that she was getting it, right? Jesus continues with the metaphor with food, but they're really stuck on the literal, like food, who gave him food? He needs food. What was he talking about? Food. Ah, they are struggling and she is not only getting it, but she is getting it to the point where it has worked its way from her heart already to her outward living. Cause she goes to the city to tell people about it. Beautiful, brilliant story. And so where are we in the story in this Lenten season? Where are we? Are we the disciples? Are we the woman, right? Have we started to go a little deeper than just the physical, literal things that we need? Have we found that which springs up inside of us that we never thirst again? And answering this question, you shouldn't answer it in the way you think you're supposed to answer it. Not the way that sounds good at church, because that's pretty useless, right? Having the right answer and not really being honest is useless. So between you and God, are you fulfilled in your life? Do you hunger for more? And do you have a thirst that you're trying to quench through your own jars, your own buckets? Are you in a constant cycle of going to various wells to find what you're looking for and, and maybe even getting a quenched thirst for a few days, but you find the thirst comes back? Do you struggle with the frustration of it? Do you feel like you're disapproved of, or maybe you disapprove of others all the time? You're just caught in this vicious cycle, it's just bringing you down, making you feel despair or hopeless or say things like, oh, this world's just, this world's just coming to an end. This world is just no hope for it. I hear that stuff. That's not the kinds of things that are said by people who've had their thirst quenched. Do you feel the desire to just get up and walk away from things in your life? Like you're just done, right? Because we talked about last week being invited to go or invited to come to something new, but that's different than walking away. If you're the woman at the well in this story, you're wondering how to truly approach God, where or when or how, do you feel connected or disconnected from God? You feel like you've started to discover that spirit and truth that Jesus is talking about. I mean, living inside out is a journey and it's a process. Remember, we're going toward the cross and the death of sin and self. And we have to start by leaning in to what we have come to know of Jesus. We don't have to have it all figured out, but we must be willing to leave our jars behind.
We must recognize that the other wells in the world, they will never quench our thirst. Wealth will never quench it. Status will never quench it. Policies, no, they'll never quench it. Your stuff, right? Your privilege, whether you want to admit you have privilege or not, it will never satisfy your thirst. Physical gratification won't do it. It'll never be enough. And if you're tired of not having enough, if you're tired of returning to the well again and again and again and continuing to thirst, then I think you're ready for living water. So put down your jar. Lean in to Jesus more. Devote yourself to the truth that Jesus offers. Let faith in God be your well. Let Jesus Christ be your jar. Let the Holy Spirit be your ladle and the water itself, right? Devote yourself. Give your time and energy to growing into this better way of Jesus Christ. Give of yourself more to the body of Christ, your church. Invest energy discerning what that means for you. How can you serve and be more involved? Trust that Jesus Christ through the Holy Spirit will quench your deepest thirst. Spend time in prayer focusing on how to live inside out, how to turn your heart more toward Jesus Christ, how to trust in God to provide you with all you need so that we can become the people who extend this living water to everyone else. With Remember, with grace and compassion and humility, not like Moses getting mad when they don't get it, but continuing to offer grace and humility as God has done for us again and again and again. When we become a people living inside out, we become truth bearers. We not only worship in truth, but we live in truth. We witness in truth because we want people to believe what it is we've come to know, just like that woman, that they may see in us a people who are quenched. Amen. We thank you for worshiping with us. And it is our hope that through the Holy Spirit, you have felt the touch of God upon your life. If you would like to know more about our church and its ministries, please visit our website at sellersburgumc.com.